Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC makes me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what TGV is all about. Everything you do is based on the word of God. You don't manipulate it to your own benefit. You work in good, and that is what it is. That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an insightful show. Good evening, everyone. Yeah. Welcome. To- Welcome to TGC Radio. My name is Bukola. I am your host for today. Alongside Kola. Kola, say hello. Hello. Good evening. You're welcome to another exciting episode of uh, TGC Radio. Yeah. So today we are going to have a special guest with us. She's a seasoned HR professional. And she'll be speaking to us on the topic, how to reach the very top of your career. Um, Let me read a brief about her before she comes on. Okay, our special guest today is Mrs. Eloa Kemi Sidi. She's a HR person, like I said before, with over 10 years experience. A forte in human resources spans across talent management, change management, labor relations, organizational and leadership development, and many more. A wealth of experience cuts across several roles. She has worked in multinationals and um, she attended the foremost institution in UK, Leicester University, where she attained a master's in human resources and human resources management. She has multiple international HR institution affiliations and has completed several programs in leadership and human resources management. Let's give it up for <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we call up PK. So we call it PK PK after this. So let's give it up for PK. <laughs> I, I like that. I, at some point when you were talking, I was like, who, who is she referring to? <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. While you were reading a profile, it kind of reminded me of when I was in secondary school and, you know, military officers will come and they have to read their profile before they um, hand over the ceremony to them. So they can Mm -hmm. be like general, um, chemist, CD, PSSO, I think we must salute um, PK for um, being steadfast and dedicated to gaining knowledge. And of course, we have no choice but to recognize a wealth of uh, knowledge. And I, I believe that she's worth listening to because uh, she has gained some valuable experience over the years. Yeah, we'll get to enjoy all of that today. Well, not all. A bit of that. So we're going to go straight into it. Um, We have some questions already to guide us. And I don't know if the audience will be sending in questions too. But we'll start with what we have and see where we go. So we're going to start with background story. What 
the story of your career graduating from school and starting this thing called work. How, how was it for you? Okay, um, thanks again for having me, Pasotolu and Bukola. I'm happy to be here. Uh, and I'm just here basically to share my story and um, my little understanding of career and place of work. I have a, my first um, degree was in chemical engineering. And usually when I introduce myself in any interview or something, and I say my first degree was in engineering, I always get that look. Like, how did you get here? <laughs> I had my first degree was in chemical engineering and my second degree in my resource. So um, my journey, I knew from my third year that I, I didn't want to study engineering anymore. But I was too faint-hearted to tell my mom I was not doing it anymore. So I had to follow through. <laughs> I had to follow through. Then when I was done, handed her the certificate and went about my business. Okay, so um, I, I knew in my third year that I wanted to do something else. I wanted social sciences. I was, more into, I was more interested in things that had to do with human interactions and also the way we work and how we work. So I knew engineering was not for me because um, chemical engineering was, was more of um, processes and all of that. So I knew it was not me. So... Um, so from my third year, I started to um, ask questions from myself, what I want to do, what am I interested in, what are my priorities, what can I do uh, without getting paid. You know, those questions, they, they normally tell us to ask so that we can discover our strengths and our weaknesses. So I started to ask those questions. And after asking those questions, I was able to say, okay, you know what, so how does that help an organization? Where does that fit? And that was how I was able to place my finger on human resources. And the moment I knew I was going to do human resources, I started to look around, what can I do, even while I was an engineering student. And for the first time, I think in my fourth year, was it fourth year or fifth year, I was, the, uh, I was part of the panel when we had to hire the student union government. And that was because I was... Um, interested that was my first thing at recruitment so when people yeah. ask when did you start recruiting I say over 20 years ago <laughs> <Because> <laughs> that was when I, I was opportune to be on the panel and I started to engage at that level so uh, that is my story so far and that was how I was able to get into Emerson so okay. I don't want to bore you but if story comes along then I can say how I then evolved from there yeah all right um, thank you very much, uh, PK. Um, so, my next question: I, we were, you were talking about how you um, did um, chemical engineering in your undergraduate and yes. in your undergraduate level. And I was, I was thinking, you are like the second guest that we have that switched from chemical engineering. Uh, we uh, we talked to um, Benahili Ojeme on on Thursday, and um, she also switched from chemical engineering. So, is it something? Is this something that has to do with chemical engineering or is it just personal? No, is chemical engineering that unattractive, for example? No, I think it's more about the human resource space as a whole. Okay. Until very recently, the human resources is an, is an evolving um, field. So most okay. people you find in HR now are from somewhere. 
They okay. didn't have that background in HR, okay. except for HR. new generation where we now have research, we now have people that have done paper, then they started to teach human resource as a course in schools. So for my generation, it, it is more of people that have done other things than came into it. So we usually have a background that is different from human resource. So if you see somebody that has a background in HR, you can be sure it's a new generation person. So usually for uh, the older generation, it is more evolution for us. Then also, chemical engineering. I don't know what the other person's um, story is, but okay. for most people, Bukola can bear me witness. For us in school, chemical engineering felt like the girly part of engineering. (laughs) It was more feminine than electrical or mechanical. So we had more girls in chemical engineering. So it was more of us girls trying to feel the engineering field and most of us fell along the path. So I don't know. I think chemical engineering needs to do something about their curriculum. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I, I think um, so. While you were trying to make that switch, when you discovered in um, um, in year three that you wanted to, you know, just leave chemical engineering, although you couldn't stay at home, but then I'm sure that there were a few things that you were doing along the way, probably a few courses or um, maybe internships. What exactly helps you transition? Because I, my dad would say that. Um, um, success is a product of hard work and um, good luck, you know. So um, then it says that when you when you work hard and you pray, then you have the necessary good luck to make success. So like, um, what kind of preparation did you do um, that helps your transitioning from chemical engineering straight into HR after your undergraduate? Okay, um, I think what is what was very critical for me then was. I knew I studied engineering and I wanted HR. And compared to some of my peers that studied maybe in um, labor relations, there's a course in Unilag like labor or something relations. And for those that studied law, for them it was a smoother transition for them because they are both they are both in this the courses are both in the social sciences and it was easier to transition. I knew engineering to human resources. I'm jumping from one end of the spectrum to another, so I needed I needed to gain traction. So what I did was during one I ensured that where I did my service year because your service year for me in my own story was a defining moment for me. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to change careers, that is the best time because when you are leaving school, you are like an open book. Yeah. And the first thing you write into that book determines the narrative of the story. Yes, you can change your narrative. I'm not saying you cannot change at any point, but it makes things a lot easier because you're an open book and things you can easily build into things. So what I did was, one, I was very particular about where I did my youth service. Then I was posted outside of Lagos. I find myself back in Lagos. But I knew I didn't want to do engineering. So I didn't bother looking for an engineering company. So eventually I was able to, to skip through all the story. I, was, I started my service at, at an HR consulting firm. And that was how I was able to get my foot in the door. And okay. what I also did, my deliberate step was also to ensure that all my allowance as a good copper 
I was using yeah. to write exams. That was all okay. I used my allowance to do. So if I was, and I ensured that I was also writing international exams. Why? I felt a need to gain traction. I needed to gain grounds. It's just like some of you have already spent six years doing something and I am coming up afresh. I have mm-hmm. six years to gain. So I, I was writing exams. I'm sure Bukola knows I was writing <laughs> I kept writing exams because I knew I needed to gain a lot of time. And thankfully, I, was, I got the youth service placement as an HR firm. So it was, I was also in that environment. So that was how I was able to make that transition from engineering and into HR. So from there on, I've just been an HR person so far. So if I don't even mention that I have a first degree in engineering, you wouldn't even know engineering. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say about experience and certification in all of this, considering the fact that you switched from engineering to HR? um, Did you have to get this certification before they even gave you a look at the youth service place or you just went there presenting yourself like okay I have this experience or I don't even have this experience and I don't even have this certificate yet. I'm trying to see how we rate experience against certification here. Does experience trump certification or they are both both important? Hmm. I think they are both important but it depends on what level you are in in your um, career journey. For somebody that is, just like I said, if you're just finishing from school, you're an open book. There is nothing written there. You don't have experience. So it's easier for somebody to say, all they want to see as an entry-level person is, are you interested in this field? Or are you interested in this job? Mm -hmm. If you can show enough interest, then you have it. Then when you get to mid to your senior career level, then you have to be able to back up what you're saying. Do you understand? So then, initially, your certification, uh, one, two, three years of experience, it is expected that, aside your experience, that there is a governing body that can validate your experience. So certificate certificate is not just so you can uh, learn. Because sometimes you are even more experienced than the exams they are setting for you. Right. But you need a body to, to validate you. That is what it's about. You know, when I decided I was going to do a second degree in human resource, as at then, I think that was in 2013. That was when I started my master's. As at then, I had already uh, been in HR for about seven years or so. I, didn't, I, I already had the experience, but I needed a body to mm-hmm. be able to validate that experience. And that was why I decided to do a master's degree. Wow. Do you understand? Yeah. So for me, certificate and experience is like a chicken and egg kind of situation. Which one comes from? The egg or the chicken? So, but what I would say for those that are saying, oh, maybe I can't afford it. Oh, this exam is very expensive, blah, 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 is this. Yeah. One, if you, cannot, uh, if you cannot afford your certifications at the moment, you can plan towards it. Just like I said, I was using my Alawi to do certifications. So you have, really don't have an excuse. If you can save towards it. I was doing international exams, paying in dollars with my Alawio. So what I do is I save over months, send it to my sister in Jan so that she will be able to use my credit card to pay for it. That was what I was doing. Yeah. So you can, it depends on, you know, that was the question I was asking last week. And that is how badly do you want it? Mm-hmm. It depends how badly do you want it 
shows what you will do to be able to get it. So I would say, if you cannot get your certification at the moment, seek experience. Do some form of internship. If you want to serve, make sure you try to serve because I know service keeps evolving. I think at some point they said you must only teach or something. Right. That happened in my set. So (laughs) So try to, if you cannot serve, but at least your very first experience, those are the places you should go to. I knew I was never going to, I was never interested in banking, for instance, and I never went there. Yeah. You cannot find my CV in any bank. Right. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Apologies to the bankers, but (laughs) I knew I did not want to do it. Right. You know, so I think it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing, but experience is also very critical because I've seen subject matter experts that never went to school for what they do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because experience is what you do every day. And mm-hmm. you, who knows, do you know about the, that 10,000 rule, right? That if you've done something 10,000 times, you become a master, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what experience brings. So if what I'm doing is counting money, if I can do it for 10,000 hours, I become a master in that hour. Mm-hmm going to school but certification mm-hmm. validates you so that people can say aside my opinion this other body also validates this experience yeah. additional credibility yeah. absolutely absolutely all right um if you are just joining us uh we are talking to um pk uh or pastor Kemi city um we're talking uh, uh, we're talking about how to reach the top of your career and this is brought to you by the school of business and leadership of um, this green church. Uh, and Pastor Kemi, you've been amazing. I, I just uh, want to ask you my next question um, because we are discussing how to get to the top or the pinnacle of your career or the zenith of your career, if I might choose uh, to, speak, to speak a different um, interpretation. But, um, um, you know, people sometimes, you know, you submit a CV or you get out of school, you try to get a job, you submit your CV. And then you go for the interviews. Sometimes you submit CVs for two, three different jobs. And then, um, for example, you have two, three offers because, oh, well, you were good. They found you valuable. And they want you to be a part of their organizations. Or you are in, you are in, um, midway into your career and you get another offer and you wait against, you know, what you have. You know, some people, um, I have a friend, I think he's listening in. Uh, he got a job about three months ago. Um, there were like three jobs in front of him and, you know, one was going to pay less and one was going to pay more and the other one was just in between. So now, um, evidently, he was going to go for what was going to pay less, I mean, pay more, sorry. But I was telling him that, wait, let's see this thing properly. The one that is going to pay less kind of has more structure. They are more unlikely to, um, to owe salaries. They most likely would help your resume. But um, unfortunately, he picked the one with um, the ISP, and they couldn't even pay the first month. Oh wow! Yeah. So, wow. what do, what should people look for when uh, they are looking for a job or they are trying to change jobs? What is the most important thing? Uh, I, I thanks, Carla, for that question. I think okay. I, I wouldn't say there is one most important thing. Okay. I think okay. there are. You have to consider a number of factors, and I'll try to, um, as quickly as possible, uh, go through it. But what is very critical is your true north. I, uh, I say the true north because anywhere you turn can be your north. Mm-hmm. But your true north is your destination. 
So what is your career goal? What do you want to do in the next 10 years? What, what, for those of us that are Christians, what has God showed you? What is the big picture? That is your true note. So you must be able to say, how does this job help me achieve my true note? Mm-hmm. That's one critical question. Then also, you look at the company, just like you said you advised. What, company, mm-hmm. can, what a kind of exposure can I get in this company? Right. You say, when you are in, do, having an interview and they say, do you have any questions for us? Mm-hmm. You know, usually we have this set of regimented questions that we ask them so that we will sound brilliant and all that. Yeah. But what is very critical for me is what you are supposed to be getting in that, at that point is what is the need for me? And what is the need for me is not money. It is what kind of experience, what kind of training, what kind of learning opportunities, what kind of exposure, mm-hmm. what kind of, what kind of um, skills would I be able to pick up from this organization? Mm-hmm. It is that, those kind of things that will now drive the next thing, which is then, oh, can they pay me? Or is the pay good enough? Do they have any mm-hmm. benefits and all of that? There is a point you get in your career where you'll be the one dictating the tune because you don't only just have the experience, you have the certification, you have everything to validate what you do and how, how you can deliver value for that business. So but what is critical is, are you on your true north? I've seen people that, when we were finishing school, people then, that was the emergence of um, the new generation banks in Nigeria. So most of my uh, friends and all that and all that went to banks because it was banks that were hiring, en masse. And I'm not saying going to the bank was bad. But you need to be true to your true north. I knew people mm-hmm. that actually went to the bank then and later on moved into other things, even within the bank. Do you understand? So I think what is critical if you are trying to change jobs or is what is your true north? If your story, like I, let me give a critical example of a friend that is currently a purchasing analyst, is into supply chain, and our ultimate goal is to have a... Um, a cargo business of our own to import and export stuff from um, the U.S. to Nigeria. That's our ultimate goal. So she wants to leave purchasing. As we speak, we're having a conversation, and she said something about, okay, you know what, that she might be interested in IT. Mm-hmm. And I said, IT? No, people have interest. You can wake up one day and you say, oh, you're interested yeah. in dressmaking. It's yeah. not bad. You know, God has given us plenty. You know, people, one person can do multiple things. I'm sure Bill Gates okay. is not only computers he's interested in. You'll be surprised. You, you understand what I'm So you might have other interests. So, but the thing is, what is your true not? All right. So what we, I agreed with her was, you know what we'll do? Start looking for purchasing jobs in IT firms. Mm-hmm. You know what that is going to do? You're still going towards your goal. And you're in the environment of the things that is catching your interest at that moment. And you can mm-hmm. even get there and decide that, oh, apparently, I'm, it's not even IT that I really like. I yeah. just like the concept of IT. <laughs> you know? So what is critical we are trying to change jobs is what is your true not? And how is that going to help me? If you are able, the moment you are able to do that, then you go to the next steps. Will this organization help me? Part of the reason why I moved to, so, to Musk, for instance, was I knew it was a global company. I knew right. it was opportunities to be able to see the world. It's going to give me opportunities for best practice. It's going to give me opportunities. So it was more about that than money. As I, when I moved there, my very first job in Musk was less than where I was coming from. So it was wow. not 
I, so you need to have other intrinsic benefits, intrinsic reasons why you move jobs than money. Because money yeah, okay. can change. And like you said, they couldn't even pay the first salary. Like I say, you let your employers use you, but also use your employer. Yeah, speaking on that, let's now come to the individual. Um, how they're um, piling up criteria on what to pick and how I want my place of work to be. But Personally, the individual, what should, I give, what should I give to myself? What makes me a valuable person to this organization? What's my worth? What determines my worth? How can I increase it? How, what should I expect from my employer? And why should I even expect it in the first place? Who am I for them that they will even listen to? I like something you said earlier. You said there will be a point in your career where you'll be dictating things. Well... I can start early. <laughs> I can start earlier enough from anywhere. But yeah, what determines my work? Wherever I end up going. Okay, to start with, for every, for every business, your job for every business, either mentally or, or in a calculated process, every job has been evaluated in terms yeah. of what they expect from that job. And that is what determines the pay scale. Then where you now fall within that pay scale is now dependent on your own efficiencies, if you are doing your job, if you meet your performance criteria, you now fall within that. But usually, as an, for instance, as an administrative assistant, for instance, mm -hmm. you have a pay band, the upper and the lower band. Mm -hmm. No matter how good you are, you cannot move outside that band. That is the way most organizations work. I don't know about private businesses where they just look at your face and say, okay, you are worth 20K, you know, right. or they say that I'm not talking about those ones. I'm talking about those that are trying to have systems. They know that an administrative assistant is within this range. So no matter how good you are, you are within this range. But if you want to move outside of that range, that means you need to be able to move, for instance, to an admin manager role. And there's a different skill set that is required you for that. you to move to that band of pay. Mm -hmm. So to start with, what you are worth to your employer is what they expect you to deliver on that job. Mm -hmm. So if you deliver to 100% on that job, then you can move to the uppermost band of that job. But to be able to move out of that band, then you must be able to offer something more. more. And you must be able to change your skill set. I gave an example of how I was able to move. I was interested in moving away from talent acquisition, which is recruitment, like you call it. I was willing to move to, I wanted to move to being an HR generalist. And I knew to make that transition. One, I changed jobs. I moved to MESC at a lower pay. But I had oh. my hand on the ball. I knew what my true north was. This mm -hmm. is what I want to do. So when I moved in, I maxed out my role so much that I was asking my bosses for more work to do. I was taking work from my boss to do part of our job because I was trying to demonstrate, one, I had capacity for more, I wanted mm -hmm. to do more, and I had the skill set to be able to do more. Mm. And eventually, when I was going to move out of that role, they had to create a new role. Why? Because I had maxed the band 
in recruitment, in talent acquisition. And for them to be able to justify the next pay grade, then I, was, I must be able to want, have the skills which I had been demonstrating. Then they had to move me out and give me a new role to be able to uh, maintain or to be able to increase salary. Do you understand what I'm saying? So how much you get determines how much you bring to the table and how much skills you have. Even to have conversations about pay rise, you must bring something to the table. I also say keep your records. You know, uh, a lot of times we do things, most companies do appraisals once a year. A uh -huh. year, 12 months, three, six, five, is a lot of days. Usually when you're having performance conversations, you just tell me, and I did a lot. I did a lot. Right. I helped the team. I helped a lot. You, nobody can argue with data. So, right. Right at your table, you can start to document January 1. When you execute something, you write it down. You put the dates. Awesome. If possible, keep your templates. So when you're starting to have performance conversations that might lead to salary increase, they know. Even your boss will not be able to talk because it, you have it. Except they want to say either the company cannot afford it, or oh, let's wait till next year, or oh, let's change your job. But you'll be having the right conversation because then you can prove it. And you can show the skills you've developed. You can show the, um, what you've brought to the table aside your regular day-in, day-out task, which is another thing. Some people expect pay rise doing what they've been hired to do. That's another story for another day. But don't let me go off the point. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Oh, well, um, so, um, you know, this conversation um, also reminds me um, of, um, I was going to say that if, for example, um, the office, you know, uh, if you are, you can also show what you're doing to the office by documenting, or you can take advantage of, um, you know, social media or the the um, internet, you know, to document to others because you don't know who is looking. Um, for example, we have apps like LinkedIn that you can document your small achievements, you know, and okay. you know, probably a recruiter will be looking at you or somebody will be looking at you, you know, for a role, for for example. Um. And this brings me to um, the question. So we always expect better. Um, millennials especially, uh, we seem like, or we feel like responsibility has been not always handed to us, you know, very quickly. Uh, we feel like we have a lot of bills to pay, so we need to make a lot of money. Um, and this sometimes can affect our loyalty at work. Uh, we'd also come to the question of side hustles. We have some of us that try to do side hustles to make up for, you know, um, our bills. We also have some of us that, you know, they are just looking at the next available opportunity. Next available opportunity, they move to another business or another workplace. So how mm -hmm. great is it or how good is it, you know, to um, change jobs too frequently? Because um, I kind of think that I have, I have um, a brother or a friend that, um, you know, he moved from a job to another job. And in five months, you know, he was getting another offer. And, of course, the offer was better than what he currently had. But would, would, would it not be scary? Or does he paint a picture of disloyalty to, um, to his future employer? Yeah. If, you know, his CV is, this was six months, this was six months. What happened? I left. What happened? Better opportunities, you know. And there were always better opportunities. So, um, how, does, how do recruiters perceive people that change jobs uh, too frequently? 
Traditionally, recruiters don't like people that change um, that change jobs frequently because it shows that am I likely be hiring for that role again in a couple of months? Yeah, stability. So recruiters don't like it. And even for employers, same thing, because recruitment, there's a cost to recruitment. There's a time cost and there's administrative cost. And time cost, that's time for the recruiter, hiring managers, all the people that sit on the panel, all their time. You have to pay for it. And there's the administrative cost if you need to put it on job boards and all that. So there's, it's not cheap. Recruitment really is not cheap, even for an employer. So an employer is not looking for somebody that when they show up, you already know they are going out of the door. Mm-hmm. in a few months. So that yeah. means that I also went to a, um, a, to a symposium here recently yeah. and they were talking about um, uh, agility. And yeah. they said uh, something about research about Gen Zs, about how they hope, hop from one job to the other. That mm-hmm. it might also not mean that the person is not going out. It might also mm-hmm. be a sign that the person is agile and is looking for something. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. the question was, why would I want to hire somebody that doesn't know what he's looking for? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but, but which is so? What I'm just trying to say is, even the HR world knows things are changing, but at the mm-hmm. same time, nobody wants to go through the recruitment cost twice, at least yeah. not in a long time. And nobody right. wants to roll over on a particular role because aside the basic knowledge of every role there's also an insider knowledge understanding the business understanding how your boss wants their reports how they um do their reports at their agents those are things that you really you have to be somebody in house that knows those things they are not general knowledge so you really don't want to go through that cycle every time so my advice is if you like you said there is always a better opportunity but I would suggest you at least stay on a job enough to master it. Be on a job enough for you to be the best on it, such that when they say you want to leave, everybody says, oh, my God, how are we going to fill this role? Then you are ready for a move. But on a job where you are even yet to do your first appraisal, you are ready on the move, it might at the end bite you back because Mm -hmm. people at some point would then start to avoid you because they know you are not sure what you want and you are still out there trying to figure it out and you don't want to use the organization to figure out what you want to do with yourself. So if you really want a pay rise, because usually what makes people very agile is because they're looking for money. If you really want a pay rise, you can also consider what I said, which is about your performance records. Most organizations these days try to do performance bonuses and all that. So if you have all those ones, at least you can get some pay rise pending the time you are ready to move in. I ideally would say two years. In two years, you should have been able to master a role enough and you've demonstrated competence. So even if you're having conversations about I'm going to leave, it would be a case of, yes, you've done so well. We know there's nowhere else to move you to. John, oh. that, that yeah. is my personal opinion, but it's, I don't think even Nigeria as a whole, I don't think we are ready for the agility thing. If you move too much, you are not loyal. And that except, you're, except you're moving abroad. Yeah. And that one, way you tell them, oh, relocation. And they yeah. Okay. So talking about moving abroad, 
and mm-hmm. the current situation we're in, I mean, everybody knows the situation, the pandemic. Okay. And the fact that even before this pandemic, there's been a lot of noise about the future of work. Everything is changing. Some jobs are not exist anymore and all of that. And this situation too, where a lot of people would be out of jobs because of it, yeah. And they are now considering remote work, online jobs and all of that. What makes a person globally qualified such that I can I can be in my house and be working for one multinational or one company abroad or even decide to relocate and I'm still valuable when I move to Canada or wherever. What what makes a globally qualified candidate? And why is it important? <laughs> you must be working for the UN. <laughs> that was a good <laughs> That was a good but, um, hmm. What is critical for me hmm, in moving, relocating is this. If you want to be a global player, then you have to be, <laughs> you have to be so good at what you do. Why? Because the cha- just like you said, the world of work is changing and you're not competing against the guys in Nigeria anymore. You're competing against everybody on the globe. Whoa. That's the point exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you cannot just be that IT guy that knows how to troubleshoot computers in a company in Antony, Lagos. No, you have to be so good that you know that if you're having a conversation with some guy that has been with computers since age four in India, you guys will be at par. And how do you get there? You need to be exposed. So you just don't sit on your job and say, oh, this is all in all. This is how it is. You must be able to ask questions like, how do they do it in other places? What new technologies exist? You must be able to, if you are not able to answer that question, you are not ready for the global market. Then, like we also talked about um, certification and experience, they need to ask that question. How do they validate people in the world that are experts in this area? Let me give you a secret. One of the things I do is I go to LinkedIn and I check people's profiles. I do that too. You go to <laughs> head of the, what I do is head of HR PepsiCo Global. Then awesome. I go look at their profile. I'm like, hey, Lua, I say I've worked in That is the only way you are mm-hmm. able to say, okay, this is what people will look at. This is what is. Then you need to also look at their career journey. How did they move? Mm-hmm. That's why it can't just be upping jobs, it must be strategic. I was able to say, if I move from here to here, how close does it get me? There's some money you won't take now, not because you don't want money, but because it, it, it's on the long run, it doesn't take you to where you want. Yeah. So you must be able to look at those profiles. You must be able to say, this are the certification. This is, how I, this is what I need to be able to sit at the table with some guy in China and say, this are the certificate. These are the institutions yeah. that have validated, mm-hmm. validated me as a professional. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? 
So yeah. as a global person or as a global professional, if you have a country in mind, if you have a country in mind, then you need to start checking out that country. You need to start looking at the bodies in those countries. What are they doing? Then you need to start looking at job ads, even if you cannot apply. You know, yes, you are in Nigeria, yeah. but you are interested in Germany. You need to look at job ads in Germany and start mm-hmm. to look at what are the things they are looking for. Then you are being deliberate. Then you are calculated. Just like you said, you need to prepare for your opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Good work, hard work brings the luck, right, scholar? Right. So right. That, that is where you should come from. You should be delivered. So even if where you want to move to is Canada, UK, US, wherever, you need to start checking them out. Check the LinkedIn pages of companies over there. Check the comp- job ads of the area. Yeah. What are the certifications they're looking for? That, those are the things that truly makes you global because then yeah. you can validate your experience they can see how your experience in Nigeria relates to what they do over there, and you are able to also defend it. That's also very critical. And that is just that as is you were speaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just as you were speaking, I was thinking of somebody. I mean, with all the segmentation and segregation here in Nigeria, about people that went to federal school, state school, polytechnic, it feels like there is a kind of job people who attended a polytechnic would cannot get i mean there's a kind of job they do and people who went to state school there are some there are some companies that we not even bother calling them once they see oh lagos state university they are not our kind and then unless you are from some kind of schools so how position right position themselves to even get into these places not to now talk of getting, I mean, getting to the top of their career in all this kind of companies. For me, I think that is still a, a huge um, uh, space, a huge um, um, yeah. setback or gap that we have in the Nigerian system where a college and polytechnic and university they are treated in different ways, you know, mm-hmm. just because they went to this school or that this school, you know. It's unfortunate, but it exists. But what I would say to anyone listening that has that as a challenge is you need to keep your eye on the ball. On the ball. What it means is this. If, for instance, I, I am a, what example can I give? Whatever it is that you study and you can't get into it because you had this, you had a first degree in polytechnic and they say they cannot hire polytechnic. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But you cannot tell me, it's not every layer of an organization that is hired from the bottom. Yeah. They also hire from the middle. So that is where your eyes should be. Yes, I might be doing a job to keep body and soul together, but mm-hmm. this is where I want to go. So okay, cool. what other thing do you need? Do your research. Yes, for now, my polytechnic has meaning. But at the level you get to, that we don't even want to know where you studied, is your experience we are looking at. And we are looking at the bodies, the certification that you've had. So yes, get your experience however you want to get it from smaller companies or whatever. But keep your eyes on the ball and start to walk towards the next five years. Start to walk towards the next thing. Some of you might have to just do your PGD and then do a master's or whatever it is you need to do. 
depending on your area of expertise, then you can be deliberate about it. You don't need to get there now, but you can get there eventually. I've always had a dream of working for a multinational right there in Nigeria. And of course, my first job was a, was a one-man business HR consulting firm. But my eye was on the ball. I moved from there to another HR consulting. But this time, the reason why I made that move was because this time, the HR consulting firm I moved to was um, internationally owned. So I knew it was getting me closer. So that when I get to the multinational and I start to talk about what experiences I have working across border, I have it. So that's why I say about you need to keep your eyes on the ball and you have to be deliberate about your moves. So yes, let your employers use you or use your employers. Oh, beautiful. Um, for those of us that have uh, just uh, tuned in, we are talking to Pastor Kemi City on how to get to the top of your hey. career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she's been um, awesome. Uh, she just gave us some hacks. Um, for example, if you have, you know, you should keep your eyes on the ball. And if you have a target or a place in mind that you want to end up in your career, you should, you know, take advantage of um, apps like LinkedIn, read up on the profile of those that are there and see what you need to do uh, to get there. And uh, I, I believe that's beautiful. Um, now, um, I want to ask a question that I believe every Lagosian or every adult with a lot of on their with a lot on their plate will ask. You know, it comes there comes a time, you know, you you are single. Maybe you start off out of school single, you didn't get married in the university, go glory to God. And then um, you know, you get a job. And then a time comes you have to get married, a time comes uh, you have to have children and all of that, you know, always they are like external factors and they seem to um, interfere. In, in, in your career or in your job or in how you manage your time and the rest of it. Um, I've seen or I've heard about people, you know, take time off work because they wanted to raise their families before eventually going back to it. Some never get back to it. Um, yeah. So there is um, a work-life balance, you know, that should be in place. And uh, for Lagosians too, how do I create a work-life balance? Uh, you know, I'm, I have a job. Maybe the job I do twelve hours in a stretch, maybe or, or like eight to six or nine to six or nine to five, and then you know um, I have to deal with traffic. I have to deal with my family. How do I get extra time, or where do I look for extra time to develop myself? Since we all have the same twenty four hours, anyways. Mhm. Create hmm. a pandemic. You see, this thing is I don't I don't think there's a work life balance. I think there's a work-life juggling. <laughs> what, what I'm saying to is there's time in your life where work will weigh more on family. Yeah. And then you need your spouse to step up and to help and to understand it is time-bound. Right. Then there's a time where family places more demand than work. Then work has to help you understand. You need to have a good manager that understands that, okay, you know what? You can't work as hard as you used to work. You need this time out. So for me, it is about juggling, not balance, because I don't think it can ever be balanced. That's my opinion. Personal. Okay. But at the same time, you see, you see that question of how badly do you want it? It's very important. Like I said, I started um, having HR certifications while I was serving. That means I didn't have much money. The moment I finished school, my mom stopped funding anything that had to do with me. I saw myself through masters and everything personally. Wow. Wow. So it's a sense of how badly do you want it? You see? 
when I was doing my master's, for instance, at some point, by the time we are done paying, and I was married, I had children, that when I was doing my master's, by the time we are done paying bills and I paid for school, as in all I have is take me to work and back for the wow. next two or three months. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the case of how badly do you want it. Mm-hmm. When I was doing my certifications also, I was pregnant at some point. I wake up in the middle of the night pregnant. You, you don't want to know how pregnant, how uncomfortable it is to be pregnant. And I will sit on the floor, pregnant, reading, because I have exams right. in a week or two. So it's wow. a case of how badly do you want it. And I'll go to work the next day. I'll go to work the next day before the exam. And I was seven, eight, nine months pregnant at some point. So I think what, sh- what will drive us is our passion. And I think... Who we, who we get married to is also very critical, especially for women. Because yes. who you get married to will help you make sense of it. Some mm. spouses will help you make sense of, you know what, it's just this. It's a sacrifice we need to make. Let's do it and get it over with. It's just right. a case. Well, some spouses right. will say, no, this is what I want and now and now and, and that's the end of that dream. So that story for another day. Don't let, don't let digress. <laughs> but but yeah. I think that work-life balance what would drive that balance is also your passion. If you're passionate about something, you won't even sleep because you know this thing has to be done, you know? So, yes, I know it can be, it can be stressful, especially in Lagos. And in fact, when I said driving, I had mm-hmm. time because I was driving before. When somebody's driving, I can read. Yeah, so exactly. So when I said driving, it became a problem. So do you know what I used to do? Unfortunately for me, one of my... Um, some of my school, my master's work on, um, was recorded videos. I used to have recorded videos. Put okay. So when you see me in traffic, it's school I'm listening to, not music. Oh, yeah. So I was reading on the go. So it's a case of how badly do you want it? And it doesn't need to be dedicated to it. It is what you're dedicated to that will yield for you. You can never be a master at something if you don't pay the price. We all have to pay the price. And life will still happen even while we are paying the price. So we just, we can't make it an excuse. You just need to drive through that passion and have a support system that also understands and can be of help when need be. Yeah. Wow, that's so awesome. I admire that so much. And I'm thank not, you for I'm sharing. Not, it's hard, I'm not you know. going to forget. I'm not going to forget that um, 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 Auntie Bukala made a joke. She said, if you want to work like balance, you should create a pandemic. I'm not going to forget. Okay, so there is this question about how some people can feel out of place in their place of work. Okay, okay. Some people, um, because of their personality, struggle with this work thing. Mm-hmm. In school now, in fact, I just got to learn in school now that, okay, you have to be politically sensible. Uh, yeah, I'll have to read my notes again. To, to strive in some organizations. And that's for some people is so much stress. They are reserved and they just want to maintain their spots, do their thing. They are very diligent and they get things done. But because they don't have this kind of attitude some other people have, they, um, maybe to pally up with some boss or some kind of aggression in their tone or just a particular personality <laughs> to, to strive in that place of work. 
then they don't get those things. They don't get the kind of perks those kind of people get. What do you advise somebody like that? Should the person change job? It's a great place to work quite a right, but because the person's personality is just a bit different, the person doesn't get the kind of um, acknowledgement or growth or perks the person should get. What would you advise that kind hmm. of person? You see, that one is a whole kettle of fish. Because yeah. being in a workplace is like being in a family. Everybody comes with their own personality. Even in a family of four or five, you will notice parents or siblings are drawn towards a particular person more than the other person. More than the other person. And mm -hmm. that's because people get to be drawn towards people that talk or that are jovial, the life of yeah, the family, the people that can talk their way out of stuff, even if right. they're talking nonsense, you know. <laughs> and it also applies even at work. At work, because people, managers tend to think uh, the people that talk about their achievements are the ones really achieving, right? Yeah, exactly. And if they're not managers that really can sit down on the objective, then they get carried away and say this person is the best performer. I understand that, but there is, my answer will be twofold. One, you cannot change the organization, and you cannot right. change human perception in terms of what they are drawn to. Mm. Human beings like things that are beautiful. Like <laughs> I was telling my husband that if you give birth to a child that is beautiful or handsome, you've given the child 40% of what they need to succeed because everybody will listen to them. If you have somebody that is beautiful walk into your room for an interview, you are likely to listen yeah. more. Yeah. Why? Everybody just wants to be associated. It's not because they have an ulterior motive. Everybody just likes something beautiful around them. Five percent privilege. Exactly. It's a privilege. And it's something like... Something that some of us enjoy. Ha, 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 ha. It's like <laughs> listening program. Okay? Right. So I think... Um, it is important to know that, okay, this is human perception. Know that. Then there's the other fold, which is you. You must, I'm yeah. saying, play politics. I'm saying, know how to sell yourself. Know how yeah. to sell your skill. You know when I That's said, true. take notes about the things you do. Right. Because right. at some point, you'll get a chance to say mm -hmm. something. You'll get a chance to prove yourself. Then what do you say? It's not bad that you're keeping quiet, you're not the life of the party, but you should be somebody that they know when this girl opens her mouth, or if you give her this project, you can be sure it's as good as done. There yeah. are some people like that in our organizations, if you notice, there's always the people that are the talkers, that they really don't know anything they're doing, but they talk, mm -hmm. and our guy is happy, and they're the performers. There are also these people that they hardly talk, they just come to work and go. But mm -hmm. if there's any important project, they, the Oga will make sure they're on that project because they're the doers. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you think your personality is more reserved than the others, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But just make sure that what you do, you are damn good at it. Mm -hmm. And whenever you get an opportunity to sell what you do, then don't hold back. Well. Don't mm -hmm. hold back. In that case, even your boss will know that, okay, well, she might not be the happiest person in the office. She might not be the butterfly of the office, but this person knows what they're doing and they yes, can understand right. what they do. So don't mm -hmm. play politics. 
even though we play politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. your job as an employee is to make your managers look good. Yeah. And what does that mean? If you do your job so well, because it is your job that your manager reports upwards. Mm-hmm. Right? So if your job is so good and your manager doesn't have to do anything before passing it up, what does that mean? You've relieved your manager of doing yeah. something. That means your manager looks good and your manager is happy. Yeah. And then you will not have a problem having performance discussions. So that is the kind of politics. So and if, a, a happy manager means an happy employee. Right. But then you can be deliberate. You know, there are some policies that you don't have to pull people down to get up. No. Yeah. I, I, I'm not in for those kind of politics. No, I'm talking about politics where you make what you do look obvious and you make your manager look good. Yes. Mm-hmm. It goes on because that is why you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. You're getting okay. paid so that your manager will not have to do your job. So do your job. Yeah. Thank you. This has been super awesome. Yes, there is this one last most important question, but I just want to take time to say, even I have learned so much today. So now we want to know what the place of God is in this career journey. I know of people that have been looking for jobs or are not even sure of what they are going to do after this pandemic. Or they don't even know what they want to do anymore. There are so many sides to this career story. And I just want to know, or I just want you to guide us, tell us the place of God in all of this. (laughs) Okay. um, What came to my mind when you were asking that question is, you know, God is the beginning and the end, right? Right. But there's this future that, that never leaves me whenever I'm talking about career is, the Bible says that God gives bread to the eater and gives seed to the sower. God, depending on what relationship you have with God, God is actually interested in our career. Mm-hmm. And that's because God is aware that your career is what you spend at least 10 hours of every waking moment doing. So mm-hmm. I want God be interested. 10 hours of waking moments is what you do as a career. So in my opinion, your career is your ministry. Mm. And that means that is, I'm making a connection. Please follow me closely. So in your career is your ministry, and that is what you spend at least 10 hours of your day doing, then God is interested, and that means your ministry is your life. Mm. And that's what you're spending your life doing. And you know that time is a resource given to us by God. Mm-hmm. So, my point is, your career is your ministry. And God mm-hmm. is interested. So, if, wherever you are in your career, long-term, short-term, um, top of the career, beginning of the career, one, be mindful of the fact that God is interested. Whenever I'm looking for a job, I'm always saying, God, where do you want me at this time? Yes, this is what you want me to do. You've shown me the long-term picture. And if you don't have it, I, w- I would advise that you pray about your long-term picture. You need to have your true north. If you don't have a true north, that is where, that is where you start from. If God has shown you your big picture, what your next 10, 15 years is, then you can start to pray. So what is my immediate step? Where is the next step? I've led people to Christ from 
from my office place of work. Mm-hmm. Oh, my awesome. Interview I have led people to Christ. Oh, not wow. because that's what they to do. <laughs> not know what they seem to do, but I knew I was at that place, at that spot, at such a time as this. And I always use an example of Joseph the Aramathea. The Bible says that Joseph the Aramathea, a disciple of Jesus, but remember that when they counted the 12 disciples of Jesus, Joseph the Aramathea they never mentioned. He was busy. He was working at the palace. He was working in Asuro. He was busy working at whatever career field he was. But when Jesus died, it was only people at that level that could ask for the body of Jesus. They were the people at the doors. They were at the gates of power. They were at the corridors of power. So God is as interested in Joseph the Aramathea's career as he was with the Matthew and Co. that were fishing. Mm. So God is interested in what we do. And that is where I think God is. God is in everything we do, in every detail. So you need to get a job. Where do you want me to go? Which job do you need me to? Where should I be at this time? Mm. And when you get those jobs, who are the people I need to associate with? Who, whose life needs to be touched? Your desk is your pulpit. Mm. You know, that is called, they call it marketplace ministry, right? That is mm. where God can use you. You cannot spend 10 hours of your life every day and God is not involved or God is not interested. God is interested. And you can always hold God to his word. And that's why I say, find your true not first. Then you can always say, God, this is what you showed me. So what is the next step? And how do I move from here? And God will always guide us if we listen. And if we are with Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you very much, um, PK, for um, being uh, an absolutely delight of a guest. Um, I think I, um, Antipuki was talking about uh, learning lessons. I actually have learned a lot personally. Uh, find your true north. If you're listening, find your true north. Uh, if you are wondering what the true north is, if you um, check your compass, it means, you know, direction. Find where you're headed um, and stay true to it. Um, you should also know that you, should, you need to be strategic about your career. Um, I think um, nobody ends their career alive, you know. Everybody, at the end of the day, keep on doing, they keep on doing something until they, you know, translate into their eternal body. And um, so you, you have to conti- continually put in the work you have to continually be strategic and, you know, winners make their own luck. So you need, 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 need to put in your own work, uh, then uh, pray to God for the rest. Um, thank you very much, um, Pastor Kemi. Thank you very much, Auntie Bukala. It has been an absolute delight, you know, co-hosting with you. Um, yes, I'm here. Uh, and I'm sure that we would have um, another session, maybe some other time, it might not be in the near future. But again, there are new things to learn. I'm sure there will be more feathers on your cap, um, PK, when, when we bring you back. I'm sure your profile will be longer than this. Uh, <laughs> I probably will be your neighbor. I probably will be your neighbor in one, maybe from across the Atlantic, maybe okay. not in Canada, but I probably will be your neighbor at the time. But I know that, you know, we're going to um, have something to learn from. We're going to learn from you again. Um, we've been talking about how to get to the top of your career, and it has been absolutely delightful. Um, I'm sure that the show will be um, will be saved up on our channels on on our channels on the website on our speaker and maybe on Mixlr, and you can always come back here 
and uh, pick out lessons from today's discussion. Um, you can also engage all of our posts across social media. Um, you know, we've posted made flyers about this show. You can quote, you know, the flyers with the things that you have learned. And I'm sure that, you know, there will be a marker and we'll be able to take lessons from this and use in our personal lives. Until next time, I would like to say good night, everybody. Have a fantastic evening. Bye. Thank you, Kola. Thank you, Bukola. Thank you very much. Thank you, and we, proceed, we proceed to our e-church tomorrow. Everybody dress up, get ready, come to church early. You can join via MixLR or the website. And I'm sure that it will be an absolutely glorious one. Remember, we are the temple of God. And even though the building is closed, uh, the church of God has, is now live in more locations than ever. So we'll be right. in our houses, you know, you know, acknowledging the presence of God and having an absolutely delightful time tomorrow. So, bye-bye. All right, have a good evening, guys. Bye. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website, www.thisgreenchurch.org, for more info. God bless you.